Welcome! You found the Out of the Ordinary podcast, where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And a few of our favorite ordinary winter things are flannel sheets, candles in the kitchen, and coming in out of the cold. And a few of mine are ice skating on the neighborhood pond, long walks after a snowfall, and warming back up again with a homemade tea latte. We hope these conversations help you see the extra hidden right in plain sight in your ordinary life, too. Get comfy. Here we go. Christy, it's a white wall outside my window right now. It's so beautiful. The snow, it is still coming down here in February. I know, here at Maplehurst, too. I kind of like that, actually, that you're, like, the weather outside your window. It's just like what I see outside my window. (laughs) It kind of connects us across the miles. (laughs) I like that a lot, too. I do. I feel like somehow we're inside of the same story. You know, like, life feels like a storybook, and sometimes it's weird to me if you're on a page where there's snow and I'm on a page with sunshine. Right, right. We're on the same page. Oh, I love that. Oh, literally. (laughs) Both metaphorically and literally. Well, I was, you and I were laughing because we were, were recording as usual via Zoom, but I was a little late this morning because I miscalculated ice. I was mm. walking into the church classroom where I've been writing and podcasting, and there's this glorious fluffy snow coming down from the sky, but of course, it's so treacherous because it's hiding this layer of ice. And I was kind of like, a circus person who walks on a tightrope, you know, they they hold that balance beam. And so in one hand, I had this huge, heavy computer bag. And in the other hand, I had my big bag of podcast recording equipment. So I was perfectly balanced. And then I found myself suddenly skating down <laughs> the pathway outside the church. And I was like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> my legs just shot out from underneath me. And I landed, but I was very grateful because I did sort of fall in such a way that I landed on the crunchy part where there was uh, actually grass underneath. So I slipped on the pathway, but landed on the grassy part. So it wasn't as painful as some of the other falls I took earlier this week that were on our front steps. I don't know. Mm -hmm. How about you? Have you guys taken any spills there this winter? It has been slippery. I've actually been thinking recently. I remember um, when we lived in Chicago, I had a, f- a few friends who got those. I don't, me- I don't know what they're called, but they're like, they're almost like snow tire, like chains for your uh, car yes. tires, but you wear them on your shoes. <laughs> what? I've never heard yeah. of such a thing. Yeah, I want yeah, it. They're like, uh, we'll have to look it up because I, I, I have no word in my head for what these are, but the, literally they're like metal spiky, good gripping things that you can put over your shoes or your boots or whatever so that you have really good traction and grip to to walk on icy sidewalks. So I I remember it was super important in Chicago because we walked everywhere um, to get around. I mean, I walked to the grocery store and, you know, you would do that even in the winter. And so, yeah, I had some friends then. So I've been thinking about those, like, you know, John and I are Getting on middle age now. We're oh, not no. quite so resilient. <laughs> That's what we need to give each other for birthdays this year. Right. And I did. I thought, oh, I might buy those for me and John. Like, <laughs> happy anniversary. We're, we need all the help we can get. Because it, it is. It's, it's treacherous out there. And, you know, my kids sort of skate around. They fall all the time. And then they just bounce like they're made right. of rubber. Right. But I am not made of rubber. No, and right. I'm so glad you're okay because that could have been bad. Well, 
that we were laughing because um, earlier this week, so 10 days ago now, almost two full weeks ago, my family left to go and spend, their boys had spring break, and so Peter braved the 14-hour road trip to drive them to Florida to just be with his parents who have been very careful with their social distancing. Actually, both of them just got the vaccine. So we're really excited about that. And just to get them out of this humdrum weather, the routine, trapped inside in front of computers now for a year. And he left me behind to write every writer's Mm. dream come true. But before we dig into that story, what's funny about this is that the day that they left is when this big snowy season we've been in right now just started about two weeks ago. I mean, glorious, like big, fat, fluffy flakes coming out of the sky. And they're all packed up. And they're dressed now for like Florida. So they're in like shorts and t-shirts loading up into this car. (laughs) It's freezing cold. They're all laughing. I'm waving goodbye. They've got the bikes strapped onto the back of the car as the snow's coming down on their bikes and their skateboards are in the car. But of course, the, the second they pull out of the driveway, I decide, oh, I can't sit down and write yet. It's so beautiful. I have to go out and take photographs. And I oh, had no. even very conscientiously uh, sprinkled the salt, you know, the mm-hmm, ice, mm-hmm. snow, salt stuff. It was all over the stairs. I thought I would be fine. But it had snowed a lot. And as I walked down the front steps, I had that moment where literally both of my feet <gasps> shot out from underneath me. <sighs> and I landed on, as we say in South Africa, on my tukus, like on my <laughs> rear end, right on the edge of one of these wooden steps. Mm. And it's funny, Zoe has this list of things she's afraid of. And it includes like snakes is one of them, but actually going downstairs is one of the things on her list. And I now know why. Man, that thing caught me so badly on my hiney. And I laughed so hard. I sat there at all this pain thinking, I have like 10 days of writing ahead of me sitting on my bottom. And wow, well done, Satan. You know, like, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) Get it? Like, (laughs) please don't do this to me when I'm supposed to be sitting on my rear end for the next 10 days. I had this very bad black eye on my rear end. (laughs) Black eye. It was so bad. So that was my biggest concern when I fell today, not to replicate that same landing. Um, But I was laughing because that is how it began. These 10 days of, in every writer's dream scenario, Mm -hmm. you get to write, like, okay, let me ask you, what's yours? Before I tell you what mine is, like, what is your dream scenario for writing? Uh, I would say in my own home, totally alone, no one else around, fully stocked refrigerator, <laughs> and yes, softly falling snow outside. Yeah. Maybe the wood stove is fired up, and so you can be like all cozy yep. and warm with your laptop in your lap. I actually, I don't want to be at my desk or my big computer. I want to be like in an armchair with a Afghan and a la- little <laughs> laptop, which isn't maybe the most comfortable for typing and such, but it's the most cozy. Yes. So yeah, that like, would be it. You want to you achieve maximum... What's that Swedish word? Hygge? Hygge? Right, How do right. they say that? Yes. Co- maximum coziness. Well, that's what the story really is about today because I finally got to live out this grass is greener in every other writer's yard is how I feel, mm. right? Like, I feel like there is this ideal way in which to approach writing life. And if you're listening today, imagine 
if you will, what the ideal of your workday looks like or your hobby or your business or your Etsy store or your homeschool, like whatever the ideal version is that you've looked on Pinterest, you've seen other moms posting on Instagram and you're like, huh, if I could just do it like that, or if I just had (laughs) that house or that time or that aloneness or whatever that is for you. Mm -hmm. I actually lived that this week, Christy. And I felt so almost guilty when I told two of my closest friends, I told you and Anne, and you had the exact same reactions. You were both like, oh, you're going to be alone (laughs) for a whole week. Like I felt so bad. Like I had violated our friendship by saying that I was going to have this experience because every writer I know like fantasizes about Mm -hmm. this. Where mm-hmm. I've joked for years that writing doesn't happen in like snowy cabins in the woods by yourself. And yet that is what the last 10 days were like for me. It was literally snowing outside. The house was as cozy as could be. One of my favorite bits of advice was from your husband, John, when I was telling you guys about how I was, you know, how the family were going to be gone. They were letting me try and hit some writing deadlines. And Jonathan said to me, Lisa Joe, don't just make a list of to do's before they leave, make a list of what you're going to to don'ts. Like, what are you Mm. not going to do the week that you are alone? And he said, for example, tell yourself ahead of time, I'm not going to get sucked into like deep cleaning the pantry or (laughs) catching up on all the laundry or, you know, tidying out the boys' bedroom, just close that door. Like whatever the thing is for you that you might be tempted to now spend time doing, put that on your don't do list. So I did. And so like our teenage son's bedroom which is an apocalypse. I just closed that door and pretended it didn't exist for 10 days. Like I was like, I'm not even going in there. If I go in, I will have to do something about it. So the snow is falling. I went out and bought all these candles so that the house could be full of candles. I have like um, this beautiful mini tabletop fire pit. It's like a decorative lantern thing, but it has like this huge flame that burns in it. I went, I specially ordered extra uh, gas and oil for Mm -hmm. that. Because I'm writing a lot about South Africa, I went on to Amazon and splurged and ordered like all my favorite South African foods. Oh, I'm not even great kidding. idea. And I, like boxes started arriving before my family left, and Peter would be like, "Huh, looks like Mom is really stocking up for good times <laughs> before we all leave." And so I ordered South African rusks, which are like that hard biscotti you dunk in tea. I ordered South African biltong, South African druivors, which is like a kind of a jerky, but so much better. Mm -hmm. South African cookies. I went and bought South African amarula, which is like a liqueur that we drink in the evenings in South Africa. So after a long day of writing, I could have liqueur and biltong, just like I have with my dad at home, and sit with my candles and watch the snow. And I had a puppy with me. I mean, literally, (laughs) it's like everybody's dream come true. So before you all start to hate me who are listening, here's the point of the story. It's very rare that we actually get to live out whatever we think the idealized version is of, you know, fill in the blank. For me, it's a writer's life. So rare. And when my family drove away, I thought to myself, oh, my word, it's happening. What will I do if 10 days from now I'm sad when they get back? I feel so guilty. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like going to enjoy this so much. And I did. I will say, I loved it. It was beautiful and soothing. 
It was really amazing to get to write without expending really what I think of as the mental energy it takes in a day to also keep track of your kids and what homework Mm -hmm. assignments they have and when you have to pick someone up by a certain time or have them somewhere or knowing I only have this three-hour window, I have to accomplish X, Y, Z. And so I tend to get really defeated if by, you know, if I've been up since seven, but I don't start working till 10 because I've had all this other home stuff to do. I feel immediately defeated. And I'm like, what's even the point? I have to be done by two. What do I even, why even bother? And I know for years I've told people, if you've only got an hour in the day to write, don't spend it worrying, spend it writing. And yet it's hard because, I mean, do you have this experience too where you start to feel like, oh, my whole day is blown now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I'll set up all these elaborate sort of ideas about how it has to be. And if I can't meet that, then yeah, what is the point? And so for me, it is, it's about that morning energy. You know, I wake up with that kind of creativity and energy that you have right after sleep. But if I fritter it away on refereeing breakfast arguments between the kids and now dishes and now some to do about who's feeding the chickens and then hours, (laughs) you know, and then then three hours later, I'm like, okay, now I need a second cup of coffee. And then, yeah, by the time you sit down, you just feel like, well, now I I need like to decompress. I need a nap. I need like the create, that flowing creativity is just gone. It's the worst. Right. So what was so unique about this week is that, first of all, I was still getting up pretty early because I have a puppy. So that was wonderful. I had this little cute ball of joy keeping me company. But if it was like, you know, if I ended up taking a shower first or I was doing research because I've been doing a lot of research for the book. So if I didn't start writing to like 1030 or 11, I would start to feel panic. And then I'd be like, it doesn't matter. I can right. write as long as I want. I can <laughs> write till six. I can write till seven if I want to. And it really was a powerful thing to sit down. And I did. I mean, I probably atrophied all the muscles in my body because I would just <laughs> sit down, the hot cup of coffee, South African rusks, a puppy at my feet, snow falling outside, candles, and spend 10 hours, 10 or 12 hours, like in front of my computer. And of course, not all of that is writing. A lot is editing or moving things around or rewriting or writing new ideas. But just that massive stretch of time that's uninterrupted. So wait a second, Lisa Joe. I thought you said we there was something coming. We weren't meant to be jealous of so, you. Yes, I'm still waiting. Sorry. <laughs> Fast forwarding. So what, here's what's ha- so th- that's how it played out for the first three okay, or four days. Okay. Right? Long stretches of silence. Glorious. But by like day four or five, I noticed this itch in my spirit of, huh, it's so weird that I'm just sitting here writing with nobody interrupting me. And it was the strangest thought to enter into my mind. And I realized at the halfway point, oh, my writing is actually fed by my life. And my Uh, life involves all these pretty loud, demanding people with very busy schedules. And my life is a balance between that, the chaos of my life, and the quiet of my writing. And when you remove half I guess more than half, right? Probably like 85% of who I am. (laughs) If you remove that from the equation, then like the 15% left, and I don't even know if I did that math right. Maybe it's 25. I don't know. (laughs) But the percentage left can only fuel me for like four or five days. And then it's like, huh, I need something else now. Like I'm going to need something to get this motor running again. And it was so surprising to me. Here I am living the dream and realizing, oh, the grass isn't actually greener. It's real pretty to sit here for a period of time. And then the thing I need to give me momentum 
wasn't there anymore. I was just stranded out in a big, pretty garden. <laughs> like I couldn't go forward. I was just sitting there. And it was the most surprising and also very comforting thing, really comforting. And so I told you and Anne, listen to me, here's the good news. <laughs> it is great to get quiet, but our lives, especially those of us who are used to operating with a lot of kids and animals and in a space that we all share, there's something about that energy that is a truth to who you are as a writer. And I guess mm. that's my good news. I've been waiting to come back and tell people, oh, the thing you think will make your life better might not. It might actually be a subtraction. It might be lovely for a few days, but then I really think there are diminishing returns. So somehow we need a balance of both. Yeah. And um, but But cutting out the part that makes you who you are, removing that entirely, removes the creativity that I really do believe is is fueled by that engine, believe it mm -hmm. or not. You know, so here's a couple of things I appreciate about what you're saying, Lisa Joe. I appreciate that you're not saying, oh, the grass is not really greener. No, it's pretty. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. real pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and you enjoyed it. And you had this gift. Sure this, did. Like, I, I don't, I'm not going to say once in a lifetime, but know. you know, maybe like once in a decade <laughs> when yes. my children all leave the home, we'll right. have that experience um, again. Yeah. Like romping on the other side of the fence. In totally. This like grass. skipping through fields of daisies out yeah. there. Yeah. And, and that that was a real gift and it was wonderful. And in some ways it is everything we think it, it can be. Yeah. But actually it's okay. And maybe even, no, not maybe, it is actually good that you don't live over yes. there in that greener grass. Yeah. That you live over here in the grass that is sometimes looking like it is in desperate need of water or <laughs> it has lots of dandelions and some right. dog the dandelion doo -doo. field. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I really appreciate that because I think maybe we don't do ourselves a service when we, in, in in trying to uh, trying to cultivate some contentment with our own life and circumstances, if we it does it's not helpful to lie to ourselves to say oh those other things they would they would disappoint they wouldn't right. be so good like right. like that may be not be true, true. right yeah. so if that's not the path to um, appreciating and living more deeply into what we've actually been given then what is and um, so hearing your story actually reminds me I. I'm going to read it, and I think it is related. Um, there's a poem I love by Wendell Berry. Do you also, do you know Wendell Berry? Do sure, I do. I mean, he and I, BFFs, really. <laughs> I just, I don't know him, but I know of him, yes. Wouldn't that be great? Like, oh, yeah, we have dinner all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I love Me that and... you're going to quote, I love that you know a Wendell Berry poem that's relevant <laughs> to this moment right now. <laughs> that's That's why we're friends. It's so awesome. So this one comes from, um, a, uh, there's a collection called This Day, and it just has some of his collected poems and new Sabbath poems. Um, and actually, if you don't know anything about Wendell Berry, I mean, there's, I don't even know where to tell you to start. I mean, he has essays and fiction and poetry, um, but I do love his Sabbath poems. They're really lovely. Um, so This Day is the collection, and the poem is just called, it's like, I think it's Roman numerals two. So it's like a two, but it's like two lines. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Roman numerals? Right. And I'm just going to read it, and then I'll, I'll tell you why I, th I think it is related. Okay, so this is two. And I'm just going to say as well, I think maybe it's because there's a series of numbered poems, so I should probably go back and look at them all. So that, that's the only reason. Okay, here it is. When my father was an old man, past 80 years, we sat together on the porch in silence in the dark. Finally, he said, well... I have had a wonderful life. 
adding after a long pause, and I have had nothing to do with it. We were silent for a while again, and then I asked, well, do you believe in the informed decision? He thought some more, and at last said, out of the darkness, nah. He was right. For when we choose the way by which our only life is lived, we choose and do not know what we have chosen. For this is the heart's choice, not the mind's. To be true to the heart's one choice is the long labor of the mind. He chose, imperfectly, as we must, the rule of love, and learned through years of light what darkly he had chosen, his life, his place, our place, our lives. And now comes one he chose but will not see, Emily Rose, born May 2nd, 1993. So here's why I think this poem is related. Barry in this poem is sitting with his father. But also this poem is going to lead to acknowledging new life, a baby born in the family. Emily Rose, born May 2nd, 1993. I love the rhyme there. As if it's all been inevitable that it's leading up Mm -hmm. (laughs) to this child. And and the grandfather, or um, his father, will not know this baby, will not know this new life, and yet we can trace the line between them, right? So the choices the father, the old man made have led to this wonder, this good thing. But it's the middle part that I think maybe is relevant to what you've shared, Lisa Joe. as I think about greener grass and how do I cultivate like acceptance and contentment and rootedness in my own life, even if at times I'm looking there over the fence <laughs> at what seems to be like, oh, if I could choose again, or if I could get my way, I would choose that, right? But here in this poem, the old man is saying, I didn't, I've had this wonderful life, but goodness, where did it come from? And Barry is saying, you made choices, right? We all do. Who will I marry? Where will I live? Um, we make certain choices, we do, and we don't know where they're taking us, but those choices lead to other things, lead to other things. Um, And we don't have control (laughs) over where all our choices will take us. We're not meant to. It's okay. We don't choose because we know, oh, this is the right choice. It will take me to X, Y, Z. We don't know. We don't know. But we make choices with our heart, he says. And then life is in our minds learning to choose again every day what we've already chosen in our hearts long ago, right? And in the choosing, now we're rooting ourselves in a good life that will lead to more good things, even if they're good things like this baby girl that we can't see or can't anticipate or can't know ahead of time. And so the image that sticks with me is this learning to choose what I've already chosen. So in my own life, that looks like learning to choose a husband and children that I chose long ago with my heart. But today, (laughs) when I think about, oh, I want quiet, I want to be alone, (laughs) I want some peace, I want a chance to do this or that, to write uninterrupted, especially in this year where so much is out of our control. So here's my little story. Before 
COVID. So last fall, really, um, I was really struggling in my own work with a lack of quiet in the house. The irony is that my kids at that point were leaving every day for <laughs> school. Um, but my husband's job had shifted, and so he was now home, working from home really every day. He wasn't traveling so much anymore. So there were never these breaks where I could just be alone at home. Uh, instead, every day we were kind of dancing around each other in terms of our work, and and I was really struggling with it. And I, and he's so wonderful, so I could communicate to him like this is not working. I need I need time in the house alone. And Lisa Joe, I literally like kicked him out. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I said, this conversation. Yeah, I said <laughs> at least for one day a week, can you not be in the house from like nine to three when the kids get home or whatever. And uh, so, you know, I think sometimes he would work, he would work down in the basement maybe, or he'd go to a coffee shop, you know, it, it, I mean, he blessed him, right? It was not ideal for him. Um, And yet he just was giving me this, this gift every week. And I could be kind of grumpy, like if he was working in the basement and then he just came up to the kitchen to like make coffee up there, I could be like, no, no, this ruins it. It's, oh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I remember this exact thing. I am not alone in the house anymore. Oh, the irony. Okay. You were so the alone great and did not irony, know it. <laughs> right? Is that I was working out these things that I thought I just had to have. I just had to have in order to, to be a good wife and a mom and a writer. And I, I felt like this is like the minimum of what I have to have. And <laughs> then, you know, COVID and quarantine. And now for a whole year, yep. a whole year, I have not been alone in this house. Not once. Maybe there was, maybe, you know, a trip to the ice cream shop. John took the kids. And so for half an hour, maybe, (laughs) maybe, (laughs) or I'm alone if I go for a walk, right? right? For, you know, 45 minutes, I'm, I'm, I'm alone, but, but nothing like what I thought I needed. And I do feel the lack of that Mm. when I think about being, you know, those days of like just being alone in the home, being able to like potter around. I love, I love, I love being able to just like potter around in a house, like all on my own. Like I I feel really productive. It's like my brain is free. I won't, I won't be interrupted by anyone. So I'm like dusting, cleaning, picking Mm -hmm. up and it's really enjoyable. And then maybe I sit down and do a task or I organize something. It's like a really enjoyable, fruitful, restful experience for me. And I haven't had that in a year. And yet this husband I chose, this life I chose, these children I chose in the sense that, you know, I prayed for these children. I longed to be a mom. And I really leaned into that longing through infertility and so on. I mean, I, with my heart, chose, Mm -hmm. chose and longed and prayed for, you know, the family that I am blessed with today. (laughs) Um, But this year, and of course you can say, well, Christy, you didn't choose COVID. You didn't choose quarantine, but that's life, right? I mean, life will keep on throwing things at us that feel hard or heavy that we did not choose. Illness, loss, good things too. I mean, just things, life will keep doing that. That is life. Mm -hmm. That's, That's what it means to be human on this earth, and that will keep happening. So yeah, this year it's been COVID. So for me this year, learning to choose with my mind what I had already chosen means continually reminding myself, like, I I am living a life that long ago I was so eager for, a life I chose with my heart, and I have been sustained this year. I mean, that to me is the miracle of it, that even though in some sense I haven't had what I needed, <laughs> right? right? I have been sustained. I've been 
astonished really at how okay I have mostly been, right? And then I've been able to um, write and work on things and, and still have, you know, decent relationships with my family, <laughs> right? <laughs> we're not on the outs, like we're still, you know, right. communicating and loving one another. Right. And to acknowledge as well that I don't know what's next and I don't know what it's leading to. And these are, you know, parts of the story that I'm not writing, I'm not in charge of. And yet now, a year later, having lived through circumstances that I would have never chosen, that I would have said, oh, that will, that will be the end of me in some sense. I will, I, I can't survive that. To be able to look back and, and in gratitude for many parts of it and also not knowing like, What's been planted in this year or what's been cultivated or what's begun to grow um, in our home or family or relationships that will bear fruit down down the road? I think it's so I, interesting I that this year where you had all six of you at home all the time mm-hmm. and no mm-hmm. guests, mm-hmm. right, is the year you wrote a book <laughs> about the place and the garden that's really designed for people. And what I have come to found just through this 10-day experience is I used to really believe that my creativity was in competition with my family. You know, my creativity was in competition with my deadlines, my other work, my the people in my house, the chaos. But what I came to realize at the end of it is actually my creativity is fueled by these people who are my mm-hmm. life that I write about. And so I don't think, you know, you say, I wonder what will come out of this year, but I guess I can reflect back to you, but look what came out of this year. Like you mm-hmm. wrote a book mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it will bear witness now to many people who will get to visit Maplehurst through the pages and the photographs in this book mm-hmm. that you did while at home with all six of you. I just think that's so beautiful, so interesting that God used this season to be so fruitful yeah, in a way that isn't just fruitful in your own home will actually go way beyond the boundaries of your four walls to the rest of us who will feel like we get to participate in what your year was like. And That's so right. f- for me, it's been a reorienting in my own head. Oh, I'm not in competition with this other part mm-hmm. of my life. I don't have to like get away from it all the time. I always have felt like I could be a better writer. I'd be so much better in business, in writing, all these things if I had, I don't know, like I know people who have full-time help or housekeepers or nannies or you mm-hmm. know, just somehow, like whatever greener looks like to you, some form of structure that's better. Like I, you and I, we talk all the time about how could we more, be more productive? Like, why <laughs> can't we figure it out? Like, what is the system? And And there I was in this beautiful, lonely 10 days realizing, oh, as good as this is, if this was just it, if this was now ongoing, you would erase like this huge part that makes me and my voice and my writing and my message and my ministry, what I bring to the world. And that, right. I mean, that was worth its weight in gold to me. Like it is mm-hmm. such a profound lesson. And, and I think it's because like you, I mean, since I started having children, I've never gone a stretch like that. And if I am away from my family, it's because I'm working. So I'm on a mm-hmm, work trip mm-hmm. or something. But to have them leave and leave me there to write and be given the gift of time and understanding, like such understanding and compassion from my family, just cheering me on to realize, oh, like as good as this was, I wouldn't want to live here. Like this patch of grass is really, really nice, but it isn't home to me. Like I don't want to stay here. Right. I think we're saying, yeah, the grass is greener on the other side, but the really 
good gift yeah. is this fence <laughs> that for most of my days, most yeah. of my life, keeps me uh, on this side, <laughs> separate yeah. from that greener grass. And that without that fence, without those limits, my life would be a very different thing and and not not necessarily the thing that is best for me, the thing that yeah. I, that is really the good gift, right? Yeah. So learning to... You see, yeah, green grass, it's gorgeous. But oh, look at that that fence. Look at how, as it says in Psalms, you know, you have hemmed me in. You have put your hand on me, you know, to say, okay, I am hemmed in. And I'm going to see what that's about. I'm going to learn to to love um, the, the gifts that come from being hemmed in. And we're all hemmed in in different seasons in different ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, it's maybe just the demands of our family, of parenting, I think, especially as we go older, we started this conversation talking about the ice, right? <laughs> yes. And and growing older and feeling like the vulnerabilities of our bones, <laughs> you know, and bodies, and um, and that's only going to increase as we as we age. We become often more hemmed in by, um, you know, not being maybe physically able to do mm-hmm. some things we did when we are younger. Um, I'm more aware of that. So this is just this is a part of it, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's a, it's a good part of it. It's a part of the story, and there's goodness there, too. So fences and boundaries and limits. Actually something to be embraced. Whoever would have yeah. thought it. The grass is greener. True. <laughs> but it's not home over there. But it's not home. That's good. And that's what I learned this week. If you enjoyed today's conversation, won't you take a moment right now, open up that podcast app, and look for the subscribe button right next to our podcast profile image. And we think this podcast is best enjoyed with friends. So tell a friend, click share episode in your podcast app and send a friend our link.